Anybody believe God wants to speak to them? I do. Praise God for it. We're in a collection, week three of a collection, called Made for Miracles. How many know you were made for miracles? You were not made for something ordinary. You were made for something supernatural. If it was for ordinary, God would not have sent his only son. Now having a son, I get it even more. Send his only son that he might die on the cross. For while I was still against God, that he would send his son to die for me, that I might have a way to know him, Jesus being the only way to relationship with the Father, so that a miracle happens inside of you, so that more miracles would continue to happen. I want to preach from the title today, The Miracle of Salvation. If you're taking notes, take it down. If you're not, take notes and take it down. Easy as that. The miracle of salvation. It's the greatest miracle there is. And we're spending the time on the collection to go through some miracles and look at some awesome things. But without the miracle of salvation, all is for naught. Because why be healed or set free or free of demons or walking with Jesus if it's not walking for eternity with Jesus? But the miracle of salvation Though by talk, many people would say, oh, that's a great miracle, you know, from death to life. Because we're still here and we haven't experienced seeing Jesus in his glory, most of us after death. We're like, oh, the miracle of salvation. Yeah, it's pretty great. Said a prayer, did a thing. It's pretty cool. But I believe it's so much more and bigger than that. And if we saw it as it's supposed to be seen as a, as a miracle that is meant that we would both experience and then share, I think we would realize how powerful and how incredible and how moving and how working the miracle of salvation really is. I want to take you to a text in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. Right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you find Acts. What's happened so far? Jesus has been here on the earth in the flesh. He's raised up followers. He's been crucified on a cross. He's overcome death and sin, resurrected to be with the Father, and sent the Holy Spirit to the followers of Jesus. And we're in Acts chapter 4, where incredible move of God, signs and wonders are beginning to break out. And what I feel like might be happening in the church globally is we're reading... We're reading the passages where God's not moving or we're reading these passages where God is moving and we've convinced ourselves so much because of lack of faith, lack of seeing it, lack of, lack of being able to walk in it, that these things just don't happen. But what I've learned is that the Holy Spirit is the same now as he was then. And what he wants to see now is a move of God like he was seen then. I was talking to a friend in California this week, and he was telling me that he was in his church and how ministry in California is different now that COVID has happened, and you got to be careful who you lay hands on and all this stuff, and he was, you know, laying hands and praying for people, and he was getting some scrutiny from some other pastors messaging him and, and asking him and telling him, like, you know, you gotta, you got to be careful not doing that and things like that, and 
he was like, man, I just don't know what to do. I'm so torn because that's been a big part as we see God move. And we believe that, you know, the scripture says, don't forsake the laying on of hands, you know. And, and that we want to be praying for people and doing ministries. Like, man, we're just so torn. And I was like, man, I, I get it. I get it. I'm not in California, but I, I get it. But I was like, did the Holy Spirit shift or move or change when I brought him from Texas over to California? Because I felt the whole time, like when I came from Texas all the way to California, I felt like I had the same Holy Spirit then as I have now. And I think if the Word says, and the Spirit leads you to put hands on someone and pray for healing, that they get healed or saved, you ought to do it. Because the scrutiny of these people from media or whatever messages they're sending you is nothing compared to the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's not afraid of what they think or their motives or what might happen. The Holy Spirit wants freedom for lost people. He wants the captive set free. He wants the brokenhearted healed. That's what the Holy Spirit is after. He wants people drawn into relationship with the Father. And if it takes me offending some people who have the wrong biblical view of what's going on, that's just fine. I don't want to offend anybody though. I like to have friends and be nice. So that's what's happening in Acts chapter 4. There's always an excuse why God won't move in your life. Always. Oh, well, you know, didn't brush my teeth right this morning or, you know, whatever. Doesn't seem right. Haven't read the Bible enough lately. Uh, you know, you'll be all right. Watch the Spirit move in your life. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people because they were doing signs and wonders all over the city. Now they're speaking to the people, kind of explaining what's going on. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed. Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus, the resurrection, from the dead. The thing is, the people of God then and now are never annoyed when you talk about God. Talking about God? Everybody talks about God. You can hop in an Uber with a lost person and they'll talk about God. What's threatening about talking about God? They'd love to share their opinions of who they think God is and what they think he's like, and you can share yours. That's no problem at all. But when you begin to talk about Jesus, division may begin to happen. Because every, almost every people that has any form of religion has some idea of what God could be like. And the religious leaders at the time weren't afraid that they were talking about God because they knew about God. What they didn't know was about a Jesus that saved lives. They didn't know about that. And when we start talking about Jesus and walking out what Jesus calls us to, people might get, as it says in the text, annoyed. Because no longer can they predict or control what might happen through you. Because the Holy Spirit cannot be controlled by me or by you. Rather, we're led by God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So they're there. Greatly annoyed in verse 2. So they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day for it was already evening. They put them into jail and they were too tired to deal with them. So they said, hey, just stay in jail. We'll deal with you tomorrow. But the problem was in verse 4, many people had already heard. So many people that 5,000 Men, counting the men, 5,000 got saved. It's a miracle of salvation. What if you knew 
that when you went out tomorrow and shared the gospel with somebody, 5,000 other people would experience and share the gospel. Would you do it? You might not, because it just seems like, you know, too inconvenient. I got to go to Chick-fil-A. They're closed on Sundays. And if I don't get there first thing in the morning, if I don't go get my coffee going and get started off right with that, if I don't, I don't know if I could because I got clothes at the dry cleaners, and if I don't go over there and get those, well, then I, I guess I could share the dry cleaners, but, you know, I mean, it's always a line, and I'm in a hurry. I don't wanna, I, I'd share the gospel, but I don't want people behind me to be waiting in line. Well, you know what? That line's going to get even longer going into the eternal hell. <laughs> They're going to be waiting to get in there. There'll be a lot more inconvenience then than they will now. Because we can always find a reason why. We shouldn't, but 5,000 people. They were thrown into jail, but 5,000 people. If I told you that you went to jail tomorrow, but 5,000 people got saved, would you, would you go for it? Yes. All one of you. Praise God for that. The rest of you are still pondering it, figure it out. Answer wholeheartedly, and then you should decide. So they're in jail. I want to skip down to verse 7. And when they had said this the next day now, when they had set them in the midst, they inquired them, by what power... Or by what name do you do this? Because what had happened was a, a crippled person had got healed. Who are you doing this by? The crazy thing is, if incredible things are happening, we should be excited. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody filled with the Holy Spirit in here? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, and by what means this man was healed, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man standing before you, is well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, supposedly the builders, which has now become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved, except for what name? The name of Jesus. Now when they had saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they realized that they were uneducated, common men. Offending them. Listen, you dumb, but God using you. I receive it as a compliment. People say things to me all the time. I don't know if they're compliments or if they're cutting me down. So I just say thank you, that's very kind. Oh, you wore that shirt. Thank you, that's very kind. I don't know. If, oh, you did denim on denim. Thank you, that's very kind. I don't know if you're trying to be nice or mean. I'm not sure, or if you're not even sure. But here's what I know. I'm just receiving it as a compliment. Thank you. Thank you that you call me uneducated and that I'm very common. Appreciate that. Here's the fact. I may be common to you, but in the kingdom, there's an anointing on my life that causes captives to be set free and 5,000 to be saved in Jesus' name. And that often is the problem. We look at it as common. 
Salvation, I was just, oh, man, you know, I've done it. Saved. Cool. I've raised my hand at the camp thing, and yeah, it's great. It's great. Now I just do what I do, and that just, he does what he does, and, you know, we're all just trying to survive out here, make the best of it. You know, just from one thing to another, you know, whatever, whatever we say, oh, uh, well, this is that, you know, I don't know, just phrases. Okay, cool, man, that's really great. This is that. I, sometimes it is the truth. Yeah. But salvation is meant to be so much more miraculous than that. See, there's, there's three kinds of miracles that can happen to us, generally speaking. Don't be offended if you want to classify four. I'm just making it for the teaching tonight, okay? The first one is that demons can be cast out. There's three kind of miracles that can happen to a person. First is demons can be cast out. There's real demonic force that can come upon both believers and unbelievers, and that it can begin to take control of what's happening inside of them. It can change personalities and outcomes and actions and thought processes and all kinds of things, all right? We see this in Scripture. I see this in real life. If you don't believe that demons are real, just go drive down the highway, all right? You'll see. You'll see. They're out there. They're out there. They can be cast out. That's the first way. The second kind of miracle that can happen to us is we can receive a healing. Now, sometimes these are very similar because maybe we're struggling with some kind of thing and a demon's cast out and that you know, forms some form of healing. But there can be an actual physical or emotional ailment that's happening, a hurt, a wound, a pain, whatever it is, your shoulder, your back, your knee, whatever it may be, and you can be healed miraculously in that way. That maybe or maybe not the doctors can explain it, but regardless, it was a miracle that took place. Anybody ever had a physical healing happen in them? People raising their hands. See, this, this is one of the things that can happen. I have two, that's why I was raising my hand. The third thing is, life can take place. Meaning, someone can be dead and they can come alive. The, the crazy thing is that salvation involves all three of these things. All three of these things happen in the moment of salvation. Can you get sick afterwards? Yes. Can a demon come in and try to mess with you afterwards? Yes. Can you die physically in the flesh afterwards? Yes. But what happens in the form of salvation is you go from spiritually dead and doomed to life. You go from being controlled because your sin, your sinful nature, has no freedom to win any authority in the kingdom. So you're constantly being ruled by demonic forces. You go from being enslaved to, to demonic forces to being set free. You go from being eternally sick to be eternally whole. You're changed all three at one time. Boom. All the miracles that can happen in a person happen in the moment of salvation, set in a person on a new trajectory going this direction now. This is why the devil does not want salvation to happen wherever you live, in whatever house you live in, in whatever church you go to, in whatever city or group you're a part of. This is why. Because it is a powerful combination of three miracles taking place to make salvation possible. Because you can no longer be a slave to evil forces which we were once a slave to if we were not saved. Now we are. We're set free. We don't serve two masters. We serve one. This is why when we read the text in verse 13, it says, Now they saw the boldness. Because it wasn't for scaredy cats going out there preaching the gospel. The thing is that what I want to invite you into is that you were made for this. As a child of God, this is what you were made for. It's not like, oh, maybe I can do it, maybe I can't. I've heard it said like this. If you have the gift of evangelism, go out and evangelize. If you don't have the gift of evangelism, what do you do? 
Go out and evangelize. Why? It's the call of the gospel. It is what we're called to do. Jesus is going up, and he's saying, here's what you must do. Wait here until you get the power of the Holy Spirit, and the moment you do, go out into all the nations, doing what? Healing the sick, casting out the demon, raising up disciples. Why? For the glory of the Father, that more might know and go into eternity. This is why salvation is meant to be both experienced and shared. But a lot of people in the church are experiencing it. Oh, man, this is great. Oh, the glory is yours, God. We walk out the doors, lips sealed. We're not sharing with anybody. Why? It takes boldness. So we don't need we don't need more training to learn about the miracle of evangelism. You don't need more theological study to unpack what might be in there. You don't need more tracks or papers or printouts or ways. Those are all great. They're awesome. What you need is boldness to believe. Not that it can happen, but that you're made for it. That you were made for this. You were made to share the gospel. You were made to win people for Jesus. You were made that when your mouth opens up, Jesus would come out. And it's time to break free from that fear of even saying his name. So we use the name God. Because lots of people use the name God. And when we use it, is it really even capital? It might be lowercase. We don't know. We just put it out there. Do you believe in God? Oh, good, they do. Okay. Oh, <laughs> great. You go to church? Oh, so glad you go to church. Great, okay, good. Because we're just afraid that we might have to say Jesus' name. And the reason we're afraid is because the devil has convinced you to be afraid. Because if you begin to open up your mouth and say the name of Jesus, miracles begin to take place. Why? Not because I'm good. Not because you're good. Because God is good. And he's a miracle-working God. And he is faithful. And his goodness surely will follow us all the days of our life. And it is working. And it is powerful. That's why. So what would it look like this week to begin to share Something you've experienced. Well, I don't really have a lot to share. That's okay. You were here tonight. You saw at least one person being weird, raising their hands and jumping around. I, I think that's okay because if you're going to be all in on something, just be all in on it. You know? Why be partially for Jesus? That ain't getting you nowhere. If it's wrong, I'll be dead. I'll be all the way wrong or I'll be all the way right. You saw somebody jumping up and down, and you didn't. That's fine. Who knows? Maybe you did. I don't know. All you have to do to share one thing is to say, you know, I went to church, and I saw someone jumping up, and it made me think, maybe Jesus is real. Boom. You just shared what you experienced. Good for you. I think you can do it. I think you were made for it. I was talking with somebody this week. You could say this. I was talking with somebody this week, and I was talking with them how good God is. Oh, yeah? Now, now you're having a conversation with somebody about God. Great. Good for you. Look, it's not rocket science. The dummies were doing it in the text. You're way smarter than them. You have, an, you have a computer in your pocket. You can just look it up if you don't know it. Mid-conversation. What's that, huh? Where is that? Oh, okay, okay. What's your address? Oh, yeah, that's where they live. You can find out so much in your little pocket computer. And yet, 
We have so much, we know so much, we share so little. We have the Word of God, do we read the Word of God? Do we share the Word of God? We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and what impact is it making around us? It's meant to be that the miracle of salvation would be flowing through you at every opportunity possible. I implore the church, the followers of Jesus, to open up their eyes and see that this is our call. This is our mission. This is what we are after. There, if there is not this, there is nothing else. Everything else is a noise and a waste. If we do not wake up and begin to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, declaring that he is good, that he saves, that there is no name on earth under heaven like his name, then what are we doing? 